0: You're listening to
1: Fight Stories. Hey everyone, you're listening to another episode of Fight Stories. This is Tyler Morrison with my co-host John Moses, and we have an amazing episode for you guys today. We're super stoked about this. We have uh, former NHL enforcer Jim McKenzie on the line here. Uh, hey Jim, how you doing? Thanks so much for doing the show.
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. And you may have set the bar a little high. should probably wait till the interview's over so I'm sure you decide if it was a good interview or not.
0: <laughs> the magic of editing, Jim. <laughs> think
2: said it was going to be a great show, and it was terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're batting fifty-fifty, so <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh,
0: awesome. I always middling. Yeah, good enough for a playoff spot.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, how have things been going with you, man? You're uh, you're out in Des Moines today. Is that what uh, you're saying?
2: Yes, yeah, and, uh, I do pro scouting for uh, Vegas, and uh, uh, Minnesota is one of my teams, so I, I watch them and I watch their farm club, which is in Des Moines. So, very been cool. A couple of plays, games, and it's been great. Great little town, and it's uh, it's winter time, but it's not actually that bad when it's up.
1: So. right on, <laughs> right on. Yeah, we're just up in uh, New Jersey right now, so uh, obviously you're familiar with with Jersey. That's where you won the cup, right? So, good memories.
2: Uh, yeah.
0: Um, how's great. it? How's, how's it like being out in Vegas and getting to uh, enjoy that weather year round?
2: Oh, I, I don't. So as a scout, I, I actually live in uh, I live in Tennessee. I live in Nashville. As a scout, you never live where your team is. You go out and you watch the other team. So right. we'll go in there for uh, meetings a couple times a year, which is always awesome. Because to your point, the weather is great. It's a great place to go. And uh, and the rest of the time, I'm I'm in the Midwest, anywhere from down in San Antonio all the way north to Winnipeg go throughout the Midwest wherever the teams are that I cover
0: right just freezing your balls off
1: I'm <laughs> <laughs> crazy yeah, absolutely yeah we gotta bring Jim back to Vegas warm him up a bit and send him right back out on the road <laughs>
0: yeah, to thaw to thaw <laughs> Actually,
2: Depending on, depending on who you talk to when I played, I don't really have any balls. He's awesome. Oh, <laughs> I should be okay. <laughs> uh,
0: bet you they wouldn't say that to your face though.
2: <laughs> Usually there was a linesman in the way or was across the bench. <laughs> <laughs> Did
1: you ever awesome. run into
2: those uh, those
1: guys you ran into on the ice uh, in the scouting? Now you see them around the around the rinks or? Oh,
2: absolutely. There's a, there's so many, there's a lot of guys stayed involved. Uh, actually got a really cool picture last year in Nashville. Uh, Stu Grimson two years ago. Stu Grimson was doing uh, TV for Nashville, but he was there. They're playing Columbus. Jody Shelley does that. Uh, Dave Brown was there he works for the Flyers oh man i uh, <laughs> trying to think who the other guy was exactly it was a picture it was a heck of a rock pile. was what
1: it was, it was oh yeah. yeah it's like the <laughs> NHL no. version of a police lineup right there right. <laughs> oh yeah. man no kidding yeah, if, you like took, if you took if you took those
0: trials. fights and put them on the streets you got like 200 years of assault charges
1: <laughs> per guy exactly right <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so basically with the podcast what we try and uh, get into is just uh, you know the the genesis of what turned you into uh, one of the NHL's most you know notorious uh, pugilist and we, we just kind of go back from uh, the start of your career and where you came from and you know and how it evolved and we' just we're very interested. Tyler in, uh, Tyler in story, is you know? a um, is really a, a hockey fight connoisseur and I'm just a guy that
0: used to slam my head up a guys against fists out in the streets back <laughs> in the day. but he speaks so highly of you and puts you uh, top 10 all-time toughest in the NHL.
1: That's true now for having watched as many fights as I have uh, yeah I'm, I'm a huge fan of Jim so it's uh, you know getting to watch uh, you know all the clips and stuff and, and seeing you know all the other guys and what they've done I was definitely very impressed with uh, you know the level of uh, skill that you brought to your role in the game and and even and, and even just like talking
0: to you like you sound you know gentleman Jim McKenzie is, is the nickname but even talking to you you sound very like like a very nice gentleman. And then I pulled up your your uh, your picture, and Jesus fucking Christ, it would look like you'd hurt your hand on your face.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody gets prettier doing this job. I told you that, but that's not how it works. Right, you know. right, right,
1: right, So we we're watching uh, we we're watching a thing, and you're, you're I think uh, you were saying about how uh, when you started out playing hockey, you never really started out uh, fighting a lot, and then just as as you got a bit older and you realized, you know, that was going to maybe be your ticket. That's kind of where you where you started fighting. What was your first fight that you got in on the ice?
2: Uh, well, very first would have been in midget hockey. I played midget hockey in Moose Jaw and, and uh, just you just went and played. And uh, back then you were full cages, obviously in midget hockey. So it was not the first one really wasn't much of a fight. It was just you you, you hit one guy, he hits you back, or something. Like yeah. Physically, you're playing through a course of the game, and finally you've had enough of the guy, and you just get at it, and then it's over and and that was so. That happened a couple times in hockey. Midget, um, and midget hockey you know. for for the for people who
0: aren't in um, who aren't who are fight fans, but not necessarily know the, de- the finer details of hockey. You know, especially here in the states. That's what you're 12 years old, right? N-
1: no, that's Pee Wee. Midget would be <laughs> midgets a bit older. Midgets like uh, what uh, 16?
2: Oh, oh out west fifteen, sixteen, 15, 16, it's one birth year of 15, 16, and
1: 17. 15, 16. For the casual yeah. fan, you're not just beating up midgets. No,
2: but so, but, <laughs> no. That's, but,
0: that's, but that's interesting. So you're 15 years old and you have your first hockey fight. And then, you yeah. know, how old are you when you get drafted to the NHL? Uh,
2: I was 19. I was I was a 19 year old. I was drafted uh, in Victoria, is where I was playing. And they had the, the Cougars. They're now in Prince George. They got a different theme. But that was part of the Western Hockey League. Yep. And I was drafted as a 19 year old. I went from there to, to uh, Hartford, is where I was drafted and had my first camp with them, and played in the American League the next year.
0: Mm. So, so let me, so let me, ask, so you're you're what 15 for your first fight, and like you said, you're you're just pumping each other's cages. Nothing's really happening. How quickly does it? Are you from your first fight to you're like, oh, the, I must, I'm I'm going to be a fighter? Like, how does this progression take shape? Where you're, you know, we suddenly like, oh, I'm going to crack the league as a fighter.
2: I, I, never, like, I never thought that way. Um, yeah. Like I said, it happened a couple times in midget. Yep. A little more in junior. But even in junior hockey, guys are fighting 20, 20 times. It was a lot. I don't know that I've ever fought more than 10 times in a season. I really never thought of myself that way. Right. I just went out and played hockey. Whether I was any good at it or not, I don't know. But I just went <laughs> out and played. And if somebody, not if somebody, you know, if someone took a run me or I took a run of them, they didn't like it, or if they ran at a teammate when I was out there, then I would do something, but I never sat, you know, and even in junior hockey went, okay, I'm going to go fight that guy. I was like, you knew what could happen. You knew who the tough guys were and how they, but even back then, like the guys who were, you know, I think like Reed Simpson and uh, Darren Kimball and, and Jeff Bodgers and a lot of these guys that were, I uh, think when I was there, uh, Tony Twist, Kelly Chase, you went out flatly, like you just played. And the emotionally is where it got there. Like one guy would run one guy. You know, there'd be one hit here and somebody didn't like it. And that's just kind of how it escalated. So for me, it wasn't. Oh, I'm going to go fight this guy tonight, and then this guy
0: tomorrow night. Right, right, I right. You weren't marking the calendar; you know were just I mean. looking at the game. Well, that's the West. The Western
1: right. Hockey League back then was just so tough. Like you know, it was a pretty thick league in terms of how you know the the caliber of tough guys, right? So right. You, so you're running into yeah the Tony Twists and Darren Kimballs on a daily basis. We were just saying in the car on the way here about how uh, Saskatchewan breeds probably the toughest hockey player per capita ever in the nhl if you go back and count you know who's all from there it's insane so especially during your era which would have been the golden era for tough hockey i would say yeah um there's just so many guys that could uh could you know protect themselves and their teammates out there that you would have been running into. it would have been <laughs> every night there's someone out there you know that was on your team you know probably getting into it right
2: yeah, there was no off nights. Something like that, you know, and, and that certainly carried
1: through to pro hockey as well. Mm-hmm. And so you get, so you get called up to Vancouver, or not Vancouver? Sorry, you're you're in Victoria, and you get called up to Hartford uh, to the Whalers. How exciting is that to come into into the league as a rookie? And and I mean, at a very tough time when there's lots of uh, you know rough stuff on the ice. That's that's got to be you know pretty entertaining for you.
2: Well, this, this will show you how clueless I am. So I was drafted by Hartford. I played that first year in the minors. I got a couple at the end of the year. Nothing great. The next year, I started the minors again. I was up and down, up and down. And uh, we went on a, they called me up. They went on a road trip. And we went in and played in Calgary. And I scored my first goal. So I'm feeling pretty okay. good about myself. Oh. And we, that was early 90s. Calgary had really good teams. They'd won the Cup in 89. They bumped us about 6 or 7, too. They, they give it to us. And uh, we came in the locker room after Rick Lee was our coach, and he just unloaded on everybody because we played so bad. Now, <laughs> I was young just the way I was when I was young. I had the rabbit ears. I heard everything negative. That was just the way it was, and I just kind of, that's how I was. But he came in. He lit everybody up. He let me up because I didn't fight anybody. Now, and I'm, I'm serious. I didn't know that was my role. Like, I fought a bit in the minors. <laughs> where guys, are, guys are putting up 250, 300 penalty minutes. They're fighting 20 times, 25. I had, like, maybe hundred and twenty five pounds or something my first year. I think I fought maybe ten times. I fought all the tough guys and I did well. but it, it just like I said, I just went home and played hockey and if it happened it happened. So I'm just getting railed in this in this, you know, post game thing and I'm all fired up and I'm oh
0: And you scored a goal like, and you scored a goal. You're oh, like yeah. <laughs> you thinking exactly. you're coming into that's your own enough. as a goal scorer.
2: How about the goal how about these other guys who didn't score but like you know, that's going through your my little P brain. We get on the bus <laughs> or whatever we take, I don't know if we bust up to Edmonton but we play Edmonton next the next night. So, I'm skating around in warm up. i still the whole day long, and even in the warm up, I'm still pouting. And still, all I can think about is the coach yelling at me. And, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm getting sent down. I don't even know if I'm going to play tonight. Who knows? Like, I'm just fired up. And I'm kind of kicking a puck in my skates. They're so going across by the red line. And uh, they got this really big headmint, Edmonton. he's stretching on our side. As he stands up, I run into him. Now, I don't hit him hard, and I don't knock him down. I have a weak collide. And they got this little yappy guy. And I can never really remember if it was Acton or Linsman. I always got those two guys confused. But <laughs> Both yappers. He looks at the, yeah, he looks at me. He looks at the big guy. And he says, holy cow, Brownie, you're going to let that kid show you up in your own building. Well, the big guy looks at him, at me and says, you're dead. And I'm like, buddy, come on. I don't have time for this. Like, I, I scored last night. I got yelled at.
3: Right? <laughs> I'm
2: like, go screw whatever. So it's kind of like Slapshot. We glare at each other. We bump, we blood Like, we're just, the rest of the warm-up, we're just at each other, you know, a little bit. And, uh... Billy play burgers playing for Edmonton. I'd junior. Bucky like, Mac, he goes, you got a death push? What are you doing? And I'm like, Bucky, I said, you have no idea. Like, I scored last night. You probably saw it on the highlights. You know, like, <laughs> leave me alone right now. I don't know. Like, I have no idea what I've done. I have no idea who I've poked, right? Yeah. And I don't care. So, and as I said, so I'm going off the ice into the locker room. And, and uh, like I said, I fought maybe 10 times the year before or whatever. Almost every guy on our team, I, with the exception of our backup, hopefully who's was Daryl Ray, nobody had probably ever seen me fight so they think, or they've been told I'm supposed to be a tough guy, but
1: yeah. they've never really
2: seen it, right? So right. I'm almost imaginary. I'm like upagus or something like, they know I, maybe I exist, maybe I don't. And now <laughs> I've just poked one of the toughest guys in the league in warm-up. So I come in, and it's just dead quiet. It's like a morgue in, in the locker room. And <laughs> oh, will look at? Shit. Nobody will look at oh, It's no. like, don't look at the dead guy, right? <laughs> don't look at him. It'll <laughs> be okay. So I'm sitting in there. And back then, what they used to do is they, uh, for warm up, you always have textures and the coach of other teams line up and try to figure out what they're doing, and then they, would you know, they would cut a couple guys or, or sit a couple guys after warm up. To warm-up. So I'm sitting in there, and I'm hoping I'm playing. Meanwhile, the other guys who are extras are hoping they're not playing because of what I did. Right? Like, <laughs> do it. Yeah, how, how you comes it? in, yeah, you're like, all right, man, this is great. First they get out there, the big guy comes over, gives me a shot, Right. right? You think you talk or whatever he says. Off we go. We end up having what ends up being actually a heck of a really good fight. Yeah. And it's my first NHL. It's my first NHL fight, but it's a heck of a fight.
0: What, I a, go to the what box, a what I'm a what a way crazy. to lose your virginity. What's that? <laughs> I said, what a way to lose your virginity.
2: Oh yeah, exactly. So I go to the box. I play it in. Now I'm going back to our bench, and our bench is going crazy. Now they know they've got a tough guy. They've seen me fight. They know I do it. And they're all fired up, like holy! Oh, like, and I'm thinking, what is wrong with you? Like you guys are idiots. Like I don't get it. Stand up down by Daryl Ray, and I'm, I got the pout going. You know, I had the goal last night. I had a fight. The fight was okay, but I mean, I didn't give it to the. Usually, I, you know, I did really well in my fights in the mine.
0: So you don't I'm even know outing. that you're fighting like one of the toughest guys ever.
2: Oh, I, I have no clue, and so I jump back on. They <laughs> threw me back up there. I go over. I give the big guy a shot. I say, hey, let's go! Like we like that was how it was back then. If you didn't think you got the better of the guy, or worse, you thought he got the better of you. You have to go back out and do it again, right? <laughs> so I go chase him down. I'm like, let's go. And he gives me a shot. He's like, you know, settle down you know, or something like that. And I'm like, crap. So I just, I'm now straight ahead. I do mind change. We get into the third period, maybe 10 minutes left, and we're down a goal. So I'm, and I'm not playing the last 10 minutes because we need a goal. So I'm, I end up down by Daryl Reagan. I'm sitting by Razor. He's like, what's your problem? Like, you got the big pout going. Like, you scored a goal last night. You just fought one of the toughest guys. me, the toughest guy in the NHL tonight. And I'm like, Razor, what are you talking about? I said, score last night. He said, Coach, yelled at, him from yelling at me. I said, And this guy I said, You saw me last year. And I said, I should have killed this guy. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, I'm, getting, I'm just, this is what I'm talking I'm, like, I'm getting set down. Like, I'm never going to play in the NHL ever again. I hate this game. Like, I need to quit. I'm going to go get a cop like my dad. Like, just completely pouting. And uh, Razor goes, Do you know who you fought? I go, Yes, yeah, the Brown guy. He goes, That was Dave Brown. I'm like, ooh, Dave Brown. Charlie Brown. Downtown Brown. Like, you know, like who, like Dave Brown of the Flyers? He goes, how about Dave Brown of the Flyers that got traded to Edmonton last summer? I, <laughs> I, felt, I felt the blood run right out of my face. Although my, like, now I'm scared. I'm like, are you kidding? So not only did I fight, I should feel good because I know I did really well, but I went out and poked him. Yeah. And the way it worked, if you remember back then, we're down a goal. We're going to poke the goalie, and if they score and go up two, guess who's going back on the ice for the last <laughs>
3: <That's
0: night?
2: right>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And now I know who he is, so I'm scared. And now, I- Even though you
0: just held your I'm own, gonna, you know?
2: Yeah, now he's going to hurt me. He's going to really try to win this <laughs> next one, and he's really going to try to hurt me. So he pulled a goalie. I'm like, no, stay in there, you know? But no, we pulled a goalie. <laughs> they don't score. I'm off to clear the bench by two feet hopping over. I look like we just won a, a playoff game or something. I was so excited. <laughs> Razor, Razor came right over and goes, you really didn't know who that was? I said, I had no idea I got traded. <laughs> I wasn't reading that, that the hockey news. First, that was my first NHL fight.
1: So That's awesome, man. That oh, what good. a great, what a great fucking first fight. What a great story. Oh man, yeah, and that was a your first year in the league. You really started uh, cutting a swath through guys. You uh, ran into guys like you know Sean Cronin, Michelle Petit. You dropped him, um, Adam Creighton, Tony Twist. Obviously, this is where the you know th- that's a high caliber um, enforcer. What was it like fighting Tony Twist? Because that was one of my favorite fights that you had, um, where you guys were just swinging for the fences, and you ended up getting the jersey over his head and. And uh, buckling him at the end, what was it like going against Tony Twist, who's another NHL legend?
2: Yeah, well, the Twister—I mean, uh, there weren't many guys that, that punched as hard as Twister. Like it was—he honestly tried to separate your head from your body every time. If you watch him swing, <laughs> and uh, I think he—he he told me you know, he was around maybe what five eleven, six foot. You know, certainly not as tall as a lot of guys, but I think he said he was about 150 pounds. The one one year he played like, in a, and he was in great shape. It was just right. was just ginormous, right? And, uh, so, but that's how dumb when you watch, that's how dumb we were with that age, you know, if a cow, you grab on, start swinging and if he's going to throw right, so I'm going to go left and vice versa. You know, like, so you're wide open. Um, we just kind of, you know, I got a little smarter the way I fought, the later in my years as I, I played more games and more mm. seasons and everything else. But now he was one of, and you ask anybody, any of the guys that fought him and, he tried to take your head right from your shoulders. Like he swung so hard, it was like right out of the fences. And uh, you had to be ready. Uh, when you're gonna take one of those. Just hope for the best. I guess. And, I,
1: and I think like your ability. One of one of your like uh, biggest uh, attributes as a fighter is your ability to fluidly switch hands and uh, from left to right. And I think that's kind of what uh, put you over him in that in that one fight especially. Um, just that ability to switch up and it keeps the guys off balance a bit, you know what I mean? And that's, uh, I think that was a huge thing, especially back then where a lot of guys were you know, just sort of starting to figure that out. You kind of were, uh, you know, I don't want to say an early adapter of that, but you know, a lot of guys were one-armed bandits too, uh, you know, when they're coming in the league. Yeah. And
2: uh, I found that even in a junior that fights seem to come in bunches. You would go a couple weeks without one and then you'd fight three or four games in a row and if you hit it like in junior, we used to take our helmets off because we advised her. So You stood mm. back. They, the linesman stayed out of the other way. You took your helmets off, but the heads is so hard. You're, you know, the, your head's so hard, your skull. Yeah. So, view the fight, you start to get sore, and, and that's actually where I learned to first start throwing with my other hand. Was my right hand was sore. sometimes you couldn't hardly close your hand. Interesting. It was so swollen, the knuckles would swell up. So you learn to throw. Once I got a little bit of confidence, but the two things I learned is is it just threw guys off to see a left hand. Mm -hmm. It's just the most odd, most most guys around it. If you switch off and suddenly you just, you don't even have to hit the guy hard, you just kind of get it and get it out there. It threw off a lot. In junior hockey especially, it just rattled guys. They didn't like it, um, you know, and it it threw them off. And then I I learned to throw harder and throw quicker and with more power and all those other things. But uh, to your point, it certainly helped me along the way. There were certain guys that almost every guy could do it. They had to, could throw both hands. But there were a few guys didn't have the confidence, and if I knew that, I would always tie up their strong hand and make them try to throw with the other ones. And there were a lot of guys didn't like that. <laughs> that, so they would avoid the fight.
1: <laughs> well, that might have made it uh, the the fight with Brown uh, such a spectacular fight. is because he was predominantly a left-handed fighter, and you were able to throw with your left hand very well. And that made it like a real good slugfest, just a toe-to-toe, you know? <laughs>
2: Well, and that shows you how smart he was because I never tied up his right That's
1: head. it, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but, it, huh? So, you know, Tyler's talking about how tough Saskatchewan is in that in that league. Um, was there anybody who you sort of fought in that league and was in the, and only to see them a few years later in the NHL and you're like, wow, this guy has like grown leaps and bounds and gotten so much tougher? No,
2: because most of the guys you fought then, Work like uh, you know Twister or Kelly Chase or yeah uh, Jeff Reed Simpson. All those guys, they were, they were you, you were all you were whatever you were in junior. Class, as and what, then as you put on, you know, got bigger, right? Or whatever that certainly increased, but it increased for everybody that could still do it. You know what I'm saying? So <clears> you got a, <throat> a guy in two, you know and, and the Nobody, nobody's league, in nobody's hitting puberty
0: late in these leagues. What's that? Nobody's hitting puberty late in these leagues.
2: Oh, no, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> no, there's, no, there's none of that, you know. But you would, from time to time, you'd see a guy in the American League or whatever that was tougher junior, and he didn't, you know, he didn't get the extra five, ten pounds or the extra buzz, Oh right. Uh, you know, for the next that kind of thing, but for the tough guys, it seemed like you know what, it just kept going and kept carrying, it kept finding old. Things.
0: Gotcha. And uh, oh, so it was, know, so it was the other way. There were some guys who were tough, and they just ever, you know. They never, they yeah. never, not matured, but they just never, like you said, put on that extra weight. Exactly. Um, I'm always like, like when you know, you're when you first get into the league, and for me, and I think most men. You don't really put on your like man weight until your mid twenties, like, is when you start really filling out. I feel like like a lot of you, like the like the real warriors kind of get in fill out early, or you know you just got the, those type of genetics. But is there a moment where you're in, in the, you're in the league? How old were you when you first broke?
2: Uh, I got my so I was turning twenty when I went to camp, the late birth year, so I went twenty. So I got some games later. There's a twenty year old. Yeah. Uh, at the first, first camp in Hartford, I was. You know, still over 200 pounds. I don't think I ate two weeks before I went to camp. I was so lean and skinny, and so it it took me till I was probably six or 27 to hit the entire weight and and.
0: Well, that's what I mean. And you, so you're going. You're, you know, you're in the league, and you're you know nailing guys who are who are you know. Everybody's a man in that league, but I mean, you're nailing guys who are you're stronger at 26, 27. You know.
1: You're in, the league for, for, you're in the league for six years fighting before you hit that weight like yeah, that's what's interesting yeah that's, that's what i mean like having to grow
0: into that and you know the the
1: yeah. fight you take that's crazy yeah was yeah and so when you're when you're early in the league coming in and obviously Dave brown was uh, the big boy in the block and also uh, bob probert is uh, running wild he may have been uh, out for like a year or so uh, with his legal troubles but what was it like Seeing like a guy like Probert, uh, you know, at the top of the ladder, were you looking at him like he's someone that you want to really take on, or was he someone you know that you were just kind of wary of? You know, almost like if you knew what Brown was before, did you see him as someone to just you know? Yeah, he
2: yeah, it was a strength. He was, he was, as you said, Brownie was probably the toughest guy in the league, but he was a legend, right? You know, just, it was what he what he created in part because of who he was. And his personality, character—I think he had almost 30 goals. before he went to the All-Star mm-hmm. game. There was, you know, there was a lot there. And the great thing about him was when guys would get called up, he didn't care who you were. If you wanted, to, he didn't go after you. But it was a big deal to get called up, even if you got beat up by uh, Proby. Yeah, he could say you, Bobbert. You know, that was a big deal. Right. You yeah, know, yeah. you didn't. Enjoy, you're not going to enjoy this beating, but <laughs> <laughs> right, all, you know, he'd give you a shot. You know, yeah, close my eye up you know, something like that. Um, yeah, he, um, he was, I was in Hartford, he was over in Detroit on the other side, so I never saw a whole lot of him until, until years later when I ended up in, uh, over on the Western, mm-hmm. uh, it was, was like you said, every team had at least one guy, some teams had two, uh, you know, I remember playing against, I think it was Vancouver had, at one point they had, uh, um, Gino, Pierre, and Troy Crowder.
1: Oh, man. Like,
2: oh, you think? (laughs) Like, holy cow. What what are we doing tonight, boys? We're going to work on our SEAL game. What are we doing, right? Yeah. Just just a line of SEAL clubbers. Yeah, whether they're both heavyweights or, you know, you have heavyweight or whatever. You had different guys, different heights and weights and uh, levels.
1: Did you have anyone... uh, that you were riding shotgun with, like another tough guy that was kind of like your wingman, like going into fights, kind of like, you know, Coaster and Probert uh, were riding shotgun together. Did you have anyone, or were you primarily carrying the uh, heavy load for your team, like the, you know, the lone gun? Well,
2: it, it wasn't so much a lone gun, but like I said, like uh, my last year, I played in, uh, in with Nashville, Junior mm-hmm. 2 was there. And I mean, 2, right. holy cow, he could fight, he's tough as nails. But he didn't need to be fighting the heavy with the real big guys because that yeah. just wasn't who he was. But in terms of playing the heavyweight, when I came in, uh, Eddie Stark, was a tough guy and fought a lot. Oh, Eddie played, yeah. played a year and a half in Anaheim with Stu Grims as my teammate.
1: Oh, that's and nice too. I was,
2: yeah, great guy, super guy. But that was probably the strangest in the sense I'd never had anyone, another heavyweight like that. You know, especially someone like Stu
0: yeah. as a teammate. So that was <laughs> where a, you could take was a night off, a
2: couple of years. Yeah. The worst was the worst part was uh, so we we're teammates a couple of years, our kids got to know each other, and just a great, great guy. So, about a year, I think it was the next year, the year after, I end up in New Jersey. He's with LA, and uh, we end up we have to fight. Oh no! And we get in this fight. Not much of it, you know. We we have the fight. You can't. I mean, you can't take a fight. But we have the fight. The fight's over, and I went over to say hi to him after the game. And his son, Christian, at the time couldn't have been maybe four or five, sees me and just starts bawling. Oh. You tried to hurt my daddy, and you guys are supposed to be friends. Oh. <laughs> I, just, I, I could feel myself shrinking every just step closer <laughs> to him until I was about one inch tall. I felt so bad. Melt oh, your I, heart. Yeah. Yeah. Of, all, of,
0: tried, of all the men you've you chopped out, it's a five year old that brings you to your knees. You're like, oh, God.
2: Exactly. <laughs> and then, of course, I was going to argue with him and say, what well, your dad was. I gotta hit him back,
0: but he didn't do that. (laughs) He just would have hugged the little guy. Oh, that's funny. Hartford. um, I I watched a game in Hartford when I was sixteen. I'm from Canada, but I I watched a game in Hartford, and I was always amazed at how um, how run down the arena was. Like they had like I remember like bleacher seats. You know, like in basically what would be like the gold section of the gardens, but um, but what a fan base! Like those guys, they still sell merch up in Hartford, like Whaler stuff. I still got guys that just love the Whalers. It was such a tragedy to see, to see that place box up and and move out of town.
2: It was. It was the the, like you want some fights. The fans. Whenever Boston and Hartford played, there were better fights in the stands than there were on the ice because the fan base. (laughs) <laughs> oh, so he would thought he'd stop in the middle of the game. He'd look as the stairs. And you remember, in the top tier, they were so steep, and you'd see the two or three police officers going up there to break up a fight and drag somebody down the mountain. Got to get out and go to work. Tomorrow, we're done. Yeah, but, uh, I know, a great, I know. great place to start. And I was so very fortunate when I came there. I, um, you know, I wasn't there long with He was there, but my first roommate was Joe Quinville. Oh really? Johnville was there. Dave Stippit, Ron Francis, Paul Samuelson, uh, Kevin Deneen, Dina uh, Mike Leute early on. Pat Verbeek, uh, all these guys that you know. Daryl Ray can go on and on. Whether they're they're in media, you know, the TV side, or whether they're in coaching, management, wherever. They're just it's incredible the the group that came out of there with years out there. And these are. Unbelievably great vets. Well, they had good teams then back then. They, they, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. They, they didn't get one around or two in the playoffs with this really good teams. And I was lucky to have that, that kind of veteran uh, um, guys in the locker room and get around. I guys back then.
1: Yeah. And the um the a little tip for people that are listening: if you ever play uh, NHL 92 93 uh, on Sega ESPN, if you play as the Hartford Whalers, you will get into a lot of fights. Get. <laughs> <laughs> Get Jimmy in there and uh, Ed Kostelek and <laughs> If
2: you score, do they play the Brad of yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's it's great. Supposed to, it's opposed uh, to playing my character, and he never scores. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Offense was real low on that rating.
1: <laughs> well, I always felt bad for Ken Baumgartner. He was rated the lowest in the whole league in that game. That's a, that's a real kick in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, Bomber. That was a tough dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, the the other thing I want to ask you is: uh, Did you ever find that, like, like outside of the game or whatever? You know, maybe you guys are out at the bars. You ever had any like, uh, you know, opposing team fans on the road trying to start shit with you guys? Like after the game, so you ever run into any altercations out off the ice, or did people leave you alone? Not
2: really. Yeah, most of the time, and a lot of time they don't have a bar, right? Like in in most places. You know, if they're I guess really hockey crazy they might figure it out. But right. you going to most cities big city, you just go in, there's a group of guys, you have dinner or they go, you know, whatever they do kind of thing. Most of the time people aren't gonna know who you are. Like it's not like right. you know, I'm sure there's certain places in the NHL that might be recognizable or whatever, but mm-hmm. you know, overall you anywhere you went, you were you you're pretty, pretty quiet. You just kinda came in, did your thing uh, and
0: uh, right and it wasn't a, it wasn't it didn't have the same type of uh, like instant media exposure with social media and everything like that and you know i'm sure today people yeah. get recognized a little easier because of those things but
1: so the other question i have for you is um like playing through the league you played several years um who do you feel that you had like the best rivalry with individually as a as a fighter who who did you have the best rivalry with that was the most um competitive or uh, just the most heated was there someone that like you know, there's bad blood or, you you know, right. just somebody you didn't respect. Or- I never
2: actually, yeah, I never had a, a guy that it was bad blood. I never just, I don't know why, it just wasn't that. Mm-hmm. I think what you have is it became more uh, rivalries between teams. So, like, yeah. when I was with New Jersey, you know, uh, it was Dale Puritan and Sandy McCarthy in, with the Rangers. Um, you know, there was uh, Chris McAllister in, in uh, Philadelphia. Uh, when I went to Nashville, we had a bit of a rivalry with Columbus. It was Jody Shelley, yep. and you know, and, and then it just depended on because it used to be, you know, if if you had a rival with a with a team, like for the when Jersey was playing the Devils or Flyers, there's a good chance not going to be, it's gonna be in the first five minutes, just trying to one up each other, right? Right. Yeah. Like, trying to create this, you know, we can you know, come over the top on this. We're going to do this, and it's just you throw everything at teams, and 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 uh, that. If you're a goal scorer, you better score. If you're at a throw If you're a fighter, get at it. You know, get at it. Sometimes, right? Sometimes, coaches, you start. You're in the starting lineup, and you knew if the other guy was out, there, you're fighting for a shift. No, let's
3: go. <laughs> it was just, uh,
2: it yeah. was just one upping. You just took turns one up, admitted, and uh, that's kind of how it went. So it was less really about the guy situation. It didn't really matter who was wearing the jersey. It was like, you know what? This is, you know, we're a rival. This is how it works. And here, let's go. And uh, most guys did.
1: And then, um, I guess, what, in terms of team rivalries, one of the rivalries, you know, we, we were Leaf fans uh, growing up, so, like, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs versus New Jersey Devils. Uh, oh, yeah. That, that rivalry got pretty heated through the playoffs. You guys, of course, beat us. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we- Or was it? Or was it a rivalry on your end? I know, like, for our fan base, we were like, the fucking Devils. You guys just
0: might have been like, there's another yeah. step to the championship. <laughs> we don't care who it is.
2: Well, and he, but you know what? You're right. It's funny. When you're, when you're lucky enough to have... The, the three years when I was in Jersey, we went to the finals twice and they had won the cup the year before I got there. It exactly. It every team thinks they're a rival of you.
0: Right. That makes mm-hmm. sense.
2: And Toronto, Toronto was that moment because that was the point, you know, And that series could have gone either way. and Yeah. And, so and have, it got
0: a little dirty and it got a little chippy.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. The Rangers are rival. Yeah. And I know it sounds easy, but three years in New Jersey, you never lost a game to them that I was there. It was an exhibition. Oh, like wow. They were they were struggling. They were getting their team turned over. It Was yeah. you know they, their cups during the '90s and they're in that was in the process of turning it over. We never lost to them, but still thought we were a rival and rightfully so. It's New York, New Jersey, right? Yeah. And it's just, it's it's funny how so. But I would say in that brief window, certainly in the playoffs, Toronto, and then through the course of the year, we battled Philly, and, and it always came down to a game in the second half or two. The winner of that would win the division and finish, you know, in the top three, and the loser went down, right? Because that was how it was set up before. So, we had the probabilities with Philadelphia as well, so... Um, when you're winning, everybody's your rival.
0: That's it. Everybody's That's trying really to take a shot. Down at down.
1: you. That's a great, great way to look at it. And the other, th- the other question I just had was uh, the um, during that series. Obviously, Domi threw the uh, the big elbow on Niedermayer. How much pressure was there on you as the enforcer to avenge that the following year? Was that was it? Was the following year that you guys had to had that dust up? Right? Yeah. Was there a lot of pressure? Yeah, and I
2: would in the media. I wouldn't even say pressure. It just it was what it was. Like you yeah. know, that's my teammate. You don't do that. And,
1: you, you want know, to take we'll a shot. At that
2: that. Of course. But The amazing part was, if you remember, he was actually playing very well during the playoffs. Yes, yeah. uh, he had a great uh, no, no, he he was he I think he'd been like one of the stars of the game in the one game. Like he was actually playing well. Yeah. And we were struggling. We were battling ourselves because they were just a, they were so you know Gary Roberts and and uh, Cabe and and all those uh, all those guys Corson they were so in, like they were just annoying to play right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's some depth <laughs> with toughness they, there and yeah.
2: but they had but they had something could play but they were gritty and they were agitating and they like we battled more in our locker room like guys getting at each other because we just couldn't come together. So oh, I, wow cheap shot honestly brought us together he doesn't do that I don't think we win the series wow
1: I think so too yeah that
2: That immediately saw Scott Stevens reaction He saw everyone's reaction immediately brought us together I think we lost the next game and then one reason it's over it was the turning uh, point I don't know that we do
1: that's that's really interesting because yeah I always kind of thought that might have been the turning point because he he erased almost a lot of you know the good stuff that he was doing in the playoffs and And the momentum totally shifted after that because you guys got real serious and you know kind of woke a sleeping giant, I guess is, uh, yeah. is what they say. But it, like just just like from a, from the the job perspective, you know, what I mean, do you feel that like I mean, I don't want to get too deep into, it, but Domi not answering the bell in that moment, do you feel that like, maybe that's the time where he kind of sh- he owes you that fight? Um, I don't
2: know that meaning. Like I, I, yeah. I, I think okay. I certainly expected it. I think our whole team did. It
1: expected yeah. it right?
2: Because right. he, he was a tough guy.
3: You mm-hmm. know?
2: He wasn't a rat. He wasn't a pest. He wasn't that guy. He just was just a guy that <laughs> fought everybody. And he's a yeah. tough guy. So
0: who, I, who is a rat, I, a rat or a pest?
2: Yeah, who pissed oh, you well, off the lot, most? There were lots of rats and pests. Holy <laughs> cow. Who
1: pissed you <laughs> off the <laughs> most in your career <laughs> with that?
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's funny because you, you get after these guys and, you know, like, Versailles, they could say no, they could say no. That's another reason it's so effective. Was that Ty wasn't necessarily a giant, so when he went over and challenged guys, that they did him look kind of foolish, right? To a certain extent, we meant if they drop, it looked even more foolish, but right. you know, it's lose lose for him. But uh, yeah, that was getting back to that when, when I mentioned Jordan Tutu, that was one of things that year was any of those guys like that. That was the guy Jordan would go after. Yeah, he fought a lot of tough guys, but he could target those other guys too if they're running around sticking our best players. Running, Other stuff, you give him one warning, so you may want to tone it down. And if not, you know, look out, here he comes. Uh, There's a lot of guys got caught on either because he could hit like a truck or he could fight through both hands and and he could give it to guys, and he did. So it was great having him uh, as a teammate that year
1: yeah because he he really looked up to you as a mentor I believe like I, we were watching that uh there was a documentary honor and courage uh like several years ago but uh it was you were still you were in Nashville at the time and it kind of highlighted how you were mentoring uh the younger players and he and he was one of them especially and uh you could tell like that he learned a lot from you in his in his early uh you know career and really you know took some of those lessons to the to the game it's was, it was kind of cool to see
0: uh, he's a great kid <clears throat> let me ask you you're you're out there you're scouting now um the game's changed I mean I'm, I'm sure it's much more you know you're looking a lot more at uh stat sheets and less of some of these intangibles you know like uh like how tough a kid is what's your opinion just sort of overall like as a guy who was you know in there banging um as what's your opinion like in the direction of the game's gone
2: I, I think it's you know, as you said, there's, there's. Right now, I think that for a lot of the players, they're kind of caught in the sense of when players have the puck, they work hard and they certainly compete. Right. I don't know that they work, that they, they compete as much without the puck, and it's not because they don't want to. It's they're scared to knock. But would trip a guy, kind of make contact, or if they knock a guy down, they're scared to get a penalty. Mm-hmm. Right now, I really do think that that's you know how far we've gone. Together. So it's it's harder. I really do think like there's there's not a lot of fighting. There's very little hitting. Whatever. These guys will go up and block shots. Like, there was no way a million years you're going to make a shot. It's fine. I'm not blocking a shot. Like, it's just, uh, you know.
0: Right. You don't want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you I don't want to right. get a puck in the throat but but or whatever. Because the
2: way the game is and the way the game is, and the way the penalties are called, these guys are all in shooting lanes blocking shots. They're all doing that. But I think right. they can't really finish checks the way they would like to. They can't really hit uh, or for fear of taking a penalty because once you've done it a couple, I know that I was gonna say. Just stop doing I need any more penalties. So, but it still has a big effect. Um, if you, you know, if you had it, saw any of the Washington game the other night. I mean, it's the two teams. that I mean, heck of a game. Both teams get at it. Yeah. But, you know, Ryan Reeves had a huge impact. Scored mm-hmm. a huge goal for us on the power play. So there are a few guys. There aren't many of them, but there's guys like that. It's a great effect on the game because no matter who you are, you still don't like getting hit. I mean, that's just. Mm-hmm. Right, and you'll take a hit, take two hits. Pretty soon, if you're a player that doesn't like getting hit, you're going to move the puck. You're going to turn the puck over. Or you're going to make a mistake because you know somebody's coming to finish a check on. Not dirty. Not trying to hurt you. Not to not find any of those things. It's just the way the game. You know, and it used to be like that all the time. You'd have a shift or two. If you hadn't had a hit, you'd have a coach, usually the assistant coach, come over. And, hey, start finishing your checks. Oh, Get your nice. feet moving. Get in, finish your check. And it wasn't about hurting anybody. It was just get in there, all right, make contact. That's the game. That's the game. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. That's the way you knock a guy off of balance and, you know, break focus and change momentum and all those things.
2: Right. Great. Good luck, you know. Right. And there's a lot you see a not, lot of not me but else. <laughs> right that's interesting
1: <what> <laughs> go and there's a, obviously there's a lot of attention being paid to uh, to the head injuries in the game and stuff like that when you played and you played the the brand of hockey that you played did, do you how many how many like concussions do you, did, did you sustain over a career like how, like do, do you know or like is it just like one of those things that uh you know
2: well, you know, what? I'm sure I had a few. In yeah. fact, I know I did. I don't know what the number would be. But yeah, I will right. say, like, for as much hitting as we used to do, and target the guy's head. You weren't trying to hit the guy's head. Right. If you're going in to finish, first of all, if you're going to finish a check. That guy would never turn his back to you. Just didn't yeah. have to worry about hitting him from behind. He was already if he was chasing the loose puck. If he's heading into his own zone, and he has his back turned already. It's up to you as the guy hitting, not to hit him because he's back's turned. Right, you don't hit him from behind. Of course. But if he's already there, it was up. It was up to him to turn and take the hit. That was, you brace yourself against the boards and you got knees braced against the boards, it was just the weird thing it just, i don't think gets passed on the boards or whatever but,
0: well um, it's probably because there's so many more europeans do. now <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding i said that for my father <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it was yeah so you had but the it was when you knocked a guy on his butt and you is you had to get your i'm sure his chest because that was how you could knock someone off balance mm-hmm. it wasn't about hitting you weren't leaving you guys weren't walking themselves and at somebody's head and you still had bad from okay. time to time it wasn't anything consistent and a lot of the times almost guys maybe don't hit a lot they don't know how or they don't know what the target should be or how it should be hunt should back yeah you know you're trying to gain possession and, and honestly a, if you're in the playoffs you're trying to wear it the other down if you can see that same shoulder pumping him you're gonna wear him out he's gonna get tired Mm. He's picking himself up, he's going to get tired, and eventually he's going to make a mistake. And that's how we all looked at hitting. It wasn't about, hey, I'm going to go kill that guy. Yeah. It's like you're trying to knock somebody down. A great hit when you knock somebody on the butt, you know, was, that was a great hit. It wasn't seeing some guy getting carried off because he's woozy, because his head's hurt, because he targeted it, you know. So right. um, there should be a way to do both where you can be goal and still safe.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that with the new rule changes and stuff, maybe guys just aren't hitting as much, or guys feel that they are safer out there, so they turn their backs or they keep their head down a little bit longer. Then all of a sudden, when a hit that would normally come in the you know in the game that you played, this a normal hit that we grew up watching, all of a sudden that's putting a guy out because he had his head down or wasn't ready for it. Like they're not prepared yeah. for it, right? And I think mm. that that's kind of been part of it. the The rule changes have uh, allowed people fostered to, that, yeah, a to, bit. to be complacent out there, or you know, and and so many guys are trying to drop penalties now. Like the power, yeah. the games are won and lost on uh, special teams a lot too, mm. you know. So they
2: and a lot of the guys are skinnier than than the, like the like, because the game is so fast. It's a game. There's certain guys in the league, you know who they are that they're bigs that don't seem to keep up as well as they,
3: they Yeah,
0: they
2: haven't skinny they've kept that muscle they've kept that size but they no longer need it they really you know fight like
0: that's true not, you got
2: to be fast and to be fast you got to be you know, skinny skinny but you got to be thin and if you have skinny so a lot of these guys up yes they're not big guys like width wise so mm-hmm. when they do get hit like when we train not just for fighting but for the, the battles you train your neck and your shoulders and your back and and it, as much as your legs, because you knew you were going to take a beating in front of the net. Right. Do it at some point hit And like, like, wow. Pat Verbeek's a great example. The guy was like a tank. His wow. neck and shoulders and back, like, he knew he was taking a pounding in front of the net. He knew he was making contact and he was going to be the first guy to do it.
1: Sorry, who was that or
2: again? Tried, uh, Pat oh, Pat
1: Oh, Pat Verbeek. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, it's like funny. you go out and score 30, 40 goals a year mm-hmm. by taking a beating in front of the net. He uh, could physically do it. because of how strong he was because how thick he was and muscular whatever that that he needed Um, you know whereas again you don't have that same stuff now so they're a little lower so when they get hit it's going to hurt a lot more
0: it's true I see some young young guys in the league right now and I'm like and I don't know if it's because I was a kid watching men before and now I'm a man looking at kids but like I see some young guys in the league and I'm like god damn like this guy's got some growing up to do you know like he's a he's a thin kid Mm-hmm. And but super yeah. skilled
1: and great and all that stuff, you know. But the game allows that now. Oh, right, just you're, right. you're able to be a Absolutely. little bit thinner um, before yeah. you, you know. Guy.
2: Absolutely great, great skilled players, great great ability.
1: Right. And back in the day, having a grown man lean on you in the corner a little bit harder. You don't. You you need to
0: bulk right. it up, bulk yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, a bit, yeah. You know? Go down, go down to the minors and hit the weight room and come back next year. Right? Yeah.
2: That's exactly right. You need a few more pounds and. Uh, better be ready. Like I said, the front of the net
3: was,
2: (laughs) that was where, I I remember playing in Jersey, Ken Danica was just a great guy, but Dano just abused guys in front of the net. Like, oh yeah, just wear them out. So and, and if you know what it was? It was so you never came back. Like honestly, there, yeah. the, the guys were doing that to you is because they didn't want you to come back to the front of the net. Right. So it didn't take a skill. You know, it didn't take skill to go to the front of the net. It took bravery. Right. You yeah. know, and that's why was, right. like well get Thomas Holstrom that played forever with uh, with Detroit. Some of these guys that weren't big guys and they took a beating. They kept going back and they were effective and scored goals. But Dano would. Sometimes, even for back then, go over the top and just absolutely catch somebody in the wrong with a stick or whatever, like a cross-check. And the guy would be already on his way down, and Dan would give him one more. He couldn't help himself, and he'd get called for a cross-check. That's so he could <laughs> go on dancing
1: with the stars, and no one would make fun
2: of him. <laughs> exactly. But he'd be skating to the box with the ref, because the they loved him, because he was a great guy. He never had oh, yeah. any problems with the refs. would be like, sorry, Dan, i got to call him. He'd be like, yeah, you yeah, better yeah. call it what it is.
1: Did the crime do the tough.
2: T- tell them, you know, you call it the right way. I'm
1: oh, sorry, it was Battle of the Blades that Danico went on the oh. the, the figure skating show. Oh, right, that's right, right! right, right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> what a great guy! What a like tough, tough hockey player, man. That's yeah. like the the you know a definitive uh, tough stay at home defenseman right there. Like that's what you want, you know.
2: That, that, absolutely, absolute anchor if you want to win championships.
1: That Jersey uh-huh. team was deep on defense too. Like, you know, Stevens, Yeah, I remember watching, it, just looking at it. It was like, what a,
0: what a, what a thick necked crew. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. And the, the amazing part is the only time Marty would ever get mad, like you want to get Marty fired. And it was usually Dano or Scott Stevens get in the shooting lane and block the shot. He didn't want anyone in line. He wanted to see the shot. He wanted, it doesn't matter where it got shooting from. Uh,
3: he was,
2: it was on. He wanted to make the save. He wanted to see the puck you know, cause back then the goalies had to make the save and you could you get on those 2 to get out of my way and they're just trying to block shots. They're trying to help out where they think they are. And that was about the only time you ever saw Marty get fired up.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, we got to, we, we're going to wrap things up pretty soon here, but we just have a couple more questions for you. Um, that, and thanks again for doing this. This has been awesome. Uh, one, one of the questions I have for you is who's the guy who hit you the hardest, like who's had the hardest punch that you absorbed in your career?
2: Um, Twister obviously threw hard. Um, trying to think. I, the, the funniest part was so you could do different things from, you know, with your hands or whatever, but you, you did a thing once in a while I do. It's called the crossover. So basically, I'd start out throwing the right hands, but I'd end up reaching across with my right hand yep. and grab onto your right arm and tie it up. And then I'd pull my left arm back and I'd throw left. Yeah, yeah. And you'd, confuse, right? and, and the, you'd confuse the guy to the point where he didn't know what was going on. And even if he didn't hit him, he was so confused he was going down. He was just getting out of there. Well, I fought the – I think he was with Ottawa. Ottawa called up Phil Crow. I Phil think it's Crow. They were with. He was, did it to me. And I'll tell you, like, I'm almost – I don't know how old I am. I've been in a long time. I've done – and even watching the fight now, I still laugh at myself because I couldn't figure Phoenix, out how I right? get my arms. Huh?
1: Were you with Phoenix in that fight? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, that was a wicked fight.
2: <laughs> I couldn't get my arms loose, and I kept throwing with the arm that was short that I couldn't reach him with, and then he hit me with a weapon. And then I try to switch back the other way, and even now I watch, it, I laugh at myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, that. I don't know how many times I did that to guys. So yeah. that was kind of the one that I thought was pretty funny because I was taking, I was taking, he's getting in free punches because I couldn't figure out what I was doing or what he was doing.
1: So. And that crossover but, style that was made popular by uh, Tim Hunter. That's how he solved uh, Dave Semenko. That was the first uh, time Semenko was kind of exposed as like the one, uh, one-arm fighters because because that crossover move. So that's awesome that you. Uh, you know consciously employed that and uh, and you know being able to throw with both hands but to have someone use that against you, <laughs> that's piss you off a bit.
2: <laughs> yeah and not figure it out that's if you watch the fight if you go watch it you'll see it if I just completely lost it's like what's going on and then and then you get tagged you get hit with another one I'm like okay now what's going on and I still couldn't figure it out but uh, yeah, Timmy Hunter that was uh, Timmy Hunter was not only a smart fighter that was he never got tired
3: that
2: was one of those guys where you'd want to parse out early, because you're just going to have enough hanging on for dear life. And it, it was like he never, ever got tired. Yeah, just pack a
0: lunch. Five. That's great shape. <laughs> <laughs> lunch. Yeah, Jim, very quickly, Tyler put this this tribute video together uh, of you, you know, just years ago as a fan, so it's very cool to get a chance to sit there and talk to you, but he, he's telling me that somehow your daughter's got a hold of the video?
1: Yeah, there was, a, there was an article I was reading that you said that your family had seen the video, and it became kind of an inside joke.
2: Which
1: on a, like a hockey on the- a hockey fight tribute of all, like I put together a video of all your fights, and uh, and uh, it was in this, in this... Right, and when
0: your daughters were in high school, you know, they'd be bringing their boyfriends around, and they'd be like, did they see the video?
2: Oh, yeah. No, she did that, and she did it, uh, she was at university at, at college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, they were It's like a, a little bar wherever they're at, and what uh, if you had the person at the bar put it on? Oh, that's great. <laughs> <right. laughs>
3: that's so, so funny. I
2: said, anyone. Of- Anyone that wants to date, she's got to watch that at least once or twice.
3: Oh, that's, classic. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's the
0: Canadian version of the dad on the porch with the shotgun.
2: <laughs> so I say, we, yeah, we, we exactly need right. one of those. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you show them the video and you play that Toby Keith song about, you know, not as good as I once was or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, listen, to that song, listen to that song the whole time you're watching the fight
0: too. Yeah, but, I, but I'm good enough for you, buddy. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: and you can ask her out. Yeah, right. Awesome. So, listen,
0: Jim, thank you so much for doing this today. It was <laughs> uh really great talking to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's an yeah, honor time, to have you guys. on the show. I had a had a blast. Right on. Well, all the best and uh yeah, hopefully we uh, catch up with you again. Sounds great. Anytime. All right, all right, thank you sir. Take care. All
0: right, that was great. Um okay, guys, listen. That's a that's the episode of Fight Stories. We got another one uh, you know, hot on the heels. We're at the we're at the Shared Universe Studio here in uh in Jersey. It's such a wicked cool space. I wanted to thank you guys for uh hosting us even though we're paying you so uh <laughs> so it's not so much a hosting but um guys here here it is Let, let's lay it out here subscribe share comment rate we're on patreon you want to support the show throw us a couple bucks over there yep. everything that we get right now comes back into the show Absolutely. seriously no you we want
1: to make this the best show the best sounding yep. show we want to be able to uh, to uh, you know get the best guests for you yeah, the most to- the most interesting guests you know
0: Tyler's you know we we've been he's been in, he flew down to New York and we've just been grabbing a bunch of episodes right now and we're we're happy to roll those out but we want to we want to go deep woods. We want to go heartland America baby and uh <laughs> and dig out some real some real crazy Everglades shit.
1: Everglades of Florida type shit. I want people that wrestle <laughs> alligators. Hit us up, all right? Uh, yeah, that's been fight stories with John Moses and Tyler Morrison. One more time big thanks to our guest gentleman Jim McKenzie. Yeah.
0: Uh, hey hockey fight fans, we are doing our first fight stories live. Uh, January 25th at Laugh It Up in Poughkeepsie, New York with none other than former New York Ranger and Toronto Maple Leaf Colt Moore. This one's going to be awesome. If you guys want tickets for that, they're $25. You can go to uh, Laugh It Up's website. Also, we've got an event right. It's all over our social media. Um, and, of course, T-shirts. If you guys want shirts, let me know. We just ordered a new rack. and We've got a few left on this order. Otherwise, you can always pre-order for the next round. Uh, $20 Americano, $25 Canadian. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Fight Stories. Support the fights. Fuck the arts.